Hello. Welcome. We are the three intern ministers at Community Church of New York in Manhattan. We three interns are Unitarian Universalists in the process of becoming ordained clergy. In this podcast, we delve into the life of an intern minister. We explore the ways our lives and internships intersect and how this is ministerial formation. I'm Megan Henry. I'm Anthony Cruz. I'm Carrie McAvoy. And we're... Ready Up! Good afternoon, Megan and Carrie. I am just so glad to be back. I Yay. miss, we miss all you. of you this whole week um, and missed the audience and the emails and the comments from our YouTube channel. I was actually attending Finding Our Way Home, which is a retreat for Unitarian Universalist professionals of color. And I come refreshed, renewed, and energized. And I think it's such an amazing segue to our theme this week for our recording about sources of hope. And as I was in the retreat and connecting and just having community time, I was also thinking and reflecting about our podcast. And clearly there's many ways that we can talk about hope. Um, different ways that it can be defined, understood, um, embodied. Um, but during the retreat, there was this moment of honoring people that were in different milestones. Um, some ministers that have recently received full fellowship, others that might be getting credentialed as musicians or um, religious professionals, dot, 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 fill in the blank. And for me, it really helped me get centered because hope is, in my understanding, the knowing that there is always peoples, communities, organizations that are always putting their energy, their time, their resources for the betterment of society, for the betterment of the world. Right. And so it's not just um, this weird notion of like, oh, yeah, things are going to get better while I sit here and drink coffee or, you know, just, for example, sit on my own. Right. Disconnected from the world. But it's just the materialized reality that things are changing, even even in the midst of um, and instead of what's happening. There's that tension of both as I love to say, like the beauty and the uncertainty of our daily life. What do you all think? This is um, a really good topic um, because I feel that as I grow into a um, ministerial person, um, I need to be able to connect my own sources of hope in a much more um, sustainable way because I am being called on to offer hope to others in often very uh, serious circumstances. So um, I remember um, in my preaching class, we had to write a paper about our sources of hope. And, um, and, I, and I think that was a really good thing to do. Um, 
Yeah, how about you? What do you think, Megan? Well, it's interesting because I was just I was listening and thinking about what Anthony was saying around um, uh, around like how much hope uh, comes from knowing that there are people. There have been many generations of people doing the work, and there are continue to be people doing that work. And how that's like um, um, this like cloud of ancestors that are creating and have created this systems of support for us. And I was thinking about it and it's, it's interesting because I was thinking about it in very like um, terms that had more to do with my own kind of self-reliance um, and, and, and forgetting to kind of bring in the, like the whole collective so I'm now I'm like putting the two together in my head and I'm remembering times like I really get a lot of a lot of um, hope from when I, when I'm feeling really like like it's hard. I'm feeling hopeless when I look at my past and when I look at the things that I have gone through and I see the ways in which I was able to overcome um some pretty difficult challenges at times. I was a very young single mother. My daughter was born when I was 20 years old. I lived in a town where I didn't have any family. Um, I was new to that town. I did go to the Unitarian church and I did meet some people there, which was great to have that community. Um, and I was, you know, wor working part-time jobs and coffee house and waiting tables and trying to, you know, just make ends meet. And um, so many things happened that really, like when I look at how, how difficult it was, and then I see how I grew from those experiences. There were times back then when I felt hopeless. And there were times when um, people in my community really helped me a lot. And that brings me, it, it gave me hope then, and it brings me so much hope now to remember that. And I will never forget a woman named Tony who I worked with. Um, I was uh, working as an assistant in a daycare um, so, that, so that my daughter could go to the daycare because daycare costs money and I didn't have any money, but I could work there and get a discount for her to be able to go. So um, I just, I really was super broke and we did not have very much food. And she knew this, like she picked up on it. She was the, the lead teacher that I was assisting in the classroom. And, um, she just showed up at my apartment one day with a bag of groceries and it was like, oh my God, it was so, it just changed my like outlook on humanity and those kinds of ways in which people like just just, you know, not at, not, I didn't ask her. I didn't, you know, it just happened. She just did it. And that's like a little bit tough to, to think back on and to remember and to, you know, publicly admit to everyone, like I was at a time in my life when I didn't have enough food to eat and somebody gave me food and that was amazing. And to be able to, to talk about that also, I think can hopefully give other people hope who might be in a similar situation now. Yeah, that reminds me of a time um, when I was go going home to visit my sister who was sick. And um, as I was 
landing in an airport um, on a layover, um, I got an e uh, face uh, Facebook um, a, t a message that my sister had passed. And so here I am in this airport. I know nobody. I'm in really uh, just crying. And yet I had this hope that um, in this midst of despair that someone would be there to, to help me through. So I just kind of occupied the space of someone is going to show up that's that's going to help. And so when I finally made it to the plane for the final leg of the flight, there was a woman who switched seats in front of me to come sit by me. And I'm like, oh my goodness, you don't know what you're going to get into. <laughs> so the, the plane was taking off and I started crying and she said, oh, sounds like you're having as bad of a day as I am. And um, it turned out that she uh, had just spent time with her family and her grandson had just gone through abdominal surgery and they didn't know what his prognosis was. She'd never flown before. So, so we just kind of held each other for that flight. I tried to distract her from the flight and she it just knowing there was someone there. So there's just this this hope that that comes out of knowing that people want to be there for each other. Yes, thank you for naming that and articulating that so well. That it's it's amazing. Yeah, it's making me like definitely. I'm I'm feeling the tears coming up because it's so it's so emotional and it's so beautiful and it's so just like oh humanity. Like there are those so many times when people show us and behave in ways that are like, yeah, we, this is, this is love. I, I think also that listening to both of you is just reminding me of the power of relationships and how it, it, it's not the 400, 1,000, 4,000 friends on Facebook, right? Um, it's, it's always that one or two people that show up unexpectedly um, or randomly that help you through those different processes and affirm your own process of becoming and affirming you in the work that you're doing, right? And, and it's just so powerful to see that because similar to you, Megan, like I've had that, right? People that I'm doing this project or in another state or whatever. And we go through processes of not having enough food or having money or being disconnected physically from family members. And there's always this person that you either recently met or has been you know, disconnected from you for a little bit. And all of a sudden it's like, hey, how are you doing? How can I help you? Or how can I support you? Um, and you might not even be that person solving your situation, but to some extent is the realization that you're being seen and that you're being held through the process. As a seminarian student, Anthony, I feel that now too with other, with, with other um, students, with other seminarians and also with ministers. And it's what I have felt as a religious educator in the community of UU religious educators. There are so many people there who are just like keeping an eye out for us, keeping an eye on us. 
Um, and now I find myself doing that for others. And that kind of building a beloved community, I guess we could say, right? Like that is like that, that I get to be a part of that too. Like, not only do I get to be the, um, like, you know, recipient of this, um, beautiful energy and support, but I also am like owning that I can give that now too. And that has been just, um, well, that's an interesting thing also that just comes with like more just being in the world and kind of owning my own like space in the world and authority and power and it, and using that for good. Yeah. It's like this hope tag team, you know, like um, I might be running low on hope. And so I talk to somebody and they give me a little bit of hope. And then sometimes I do that for other people. So it's kind of like all of us, just trying to hold each other up when we need it. And we don't always have the energy to do that for someone else, but we have um, the energy to receive and then we give it back and it's this uh, hope reciprocity. I was recently working on that Sources of Hope paper in my preaching class that you mentioned that you had taken, Carrie. And I realized that one of my big sources of hope is the Unitarian Universalist movement. And part of that is coming from the fact that I have seen change happen. I've seen growth happen in our movement. I've experienced it. And it's been one of the really big things is, is, is this change from an, an individualized, individually focused faith and search for truth and meaning to a collective community approach, the from I to we culture um, that has um, been just bubbling up and growing and growing in our movement and see, experiencing that, seeing that happening um, has been given me hope. It gives me hope for our faith, for our movement, for the future. It's very, very hopeful. For me, I'm very hopeful in terms of seeing the intentionality around supporting colleagues and supporting just other human beings who are in the journey, in the process of really grasping who they are, how they see themselves in the world. What are their sources of hope, inspiration, resiliency? Um, and does their particular tradition speak to them where they are now or not, right? And how do they kind of bounce back um, into this season that they're trying to untap um, are, are things that I've been kind of reflecting on and just ground me in my sources, right? It's the understanding that it's not always people with whom we share 100% of our beliefs, philosophies, ideologies, or persuasions, but it's just, all of those people that are living their lives the best that they can and us recognizing that in that process, we are also um, trying to make sense of the world. I love that, Anthony. Um, 
when I, um, I've been a religious educator for many years and I work a lot with teenagers. And uh, this year I've been um, forming a really um, much stronger relationship with our coming of age youth who are just like right before they go into high school youth group. Um, so this, this is, a, this is a, a, a rite of passage in Unitarian Universalism, the coming of age class, which is similar to like confirmation or a bar bat mitzvah happening at that same age range, like 12, 13, 14. So the youth, um, you know, one of the things that I say to them is like, uh, deeds, not creeds, you know? <laughs> but then it's funny because we do this credo workshop and I'm like, okay, so a credo is different from like what we're talking about when we say deeds, not creeds, but um, we talk about a credo in terms of your, your kind of your belief statement. Like, where are you now with what you're believing and what you're thinking about with, with all this um, that you've learned in coming of age and what we've been exploring around spiritual issues and who we are as Unitarian Universalists. And at the, we did an online credo exploration and writing retreat. And I get like, I get so much hope from working with youth and teenagers. It's, they're incredible. They're so thoughtful and just seeing how they change just from like one year to the next in terms of how deep they start getting with a lot of these issues of spirituality. And um, a couple episodes ago, I had made a comment about how I was like, oh yeah, I'll have to tell you what I said to what our UU theology is when I was talking to the coming of age kids. So I wanted to do that now before we close because we did, you know, I, we didn't want to do it when Anthony wasn't here last week, but here we are. And um, so I, what I said, and I'm even like looking at the same document so that I don't like mess this up. But um, I, one of the things I did say to them was like, let me just begin by saying, and I really want you to hear me. We do not believe anything we want. As Unitarian Universalists, we are grounded in a shared set of values and principles and we are grounded in theology. And then I talk a little bit about what theology is. And I use a quote from Reverend Dr. Marilyn Sewell, who said, Unitarian Universalist theology is of this world, not the next. For Unitarian Universalists, the question is not, what do you believe, although we'll be talking about that, but rather, what kind of person have you become and what are the fruits of your living? And then I go through some of the, like just some UU theology. Um, and I talk about the Unitarian theology of the oneness of God and the universalist theology of um, universal salvation um, that we are, uh, we are all deserving of love. And then I, um, give couple like, as we say, chalice points instead of bullet points. <laughs> um, Unitarian Universalists, we generally agree that ultimately there are things that we cannot know. And we have an understanding and a respect for the great mystery. Um, we believe that each of us has a piece of the truth and that the spiritual journey of each person is important and because we acknowledge that we do not all agree to one right answer to the big questions, that means that we can have different beliefs about God 
We can have a theology of human nature that suggests humans have capacity for good and evil. So our work is to try to avoid wrongs or reconcile when someone has been wronged. Um, so that, that was kind of like the overview um, UU theology that I um, said to the coming of age kids, which is in opposition to what I was taught when I was coming of age, which is more of a like, you can believe whatever you want kind of philosophy. So that's another one of those things about just, I have, I love to see how we change and grow as humans and as a faith tradition. And um, it really, really brings me um, so much hope. Thanks so much for sharing that story that, that, you know, if there's an elevator speech about UUism, it's something along those lines, for sure. I mean, that's a long elevator ride, but, um, <laughs> but fairly uh, tight as, as uh, most UU descriptions go. So we're so thankful that you joined us again, whether you're listening or watching. We want this uh, you to be included in this community conversation. So we invite you to email your feedback to podcast at ccny.org and keep your eyes peeled, your ears peeled, everything peeled towards this live event that we'll be holding in May. Thanks again for listening. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.